April 17th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza, Andaf Yodaled Amud Bet. And if you uh, look in the middle of the Amud, basically, where it says Matnitim, where we're up to the second of three Mishnayot on this Amud, it starts with Bet Shamay Omrim. I suppose uh, many of the Mishnayot in the Masechet do, but this one is the only Mishnah on the page that starts with the words Bet Shamay Omrim, right in the middle. Bet Shamay Omrim in Mishalechim Biom Tobe Manot. So this Mishnah is dealing with the issue of sending presents on Yom Tov. Not about whether you're allowed to give someone a present. We talked about that in the class right before Pesach. But specifically, when you're giving a person a present under the permitted circumstances, maybe on Yom Tov there's a full permissibility, generally speaking, what sort of presence is it permitted to give to the other? The way Harambam and his Perusha Mishnayot articulates this is, uh, we need to look at the nature of that present. Is the present one which, as I look at you giving it, I can and should assume that it's going to be used by that person on Yom Tov to enhance their Yom Tov? Or alternatively, is this something that, uh, since it's what we would call mechusar ma'aseh, needs another action to be taken with regards to using this item that you're giving them, uh, they're gonna leave it for after Yom Tov. So specifically, according to Beit Shammai, when you're giving a person a present on Yom Tov, in order for it to look like a Yom Tov activity and not a weekday activity, the present needs to be something which is prepared and usable almost immediately for that person. For that reason, says Beit Manot. What's the definition of manot? Take a look at Rashi on the left-hand side. In Meshalachin says Rashi, Doron. Doron is a reference to a present. Ish lere'ehu. Of course, that's reminiscent of the Pesukim and Megillat Esther. You can give, or you're specifically only allowed to give, a present one person to another, elam manot. What's the definition of that word manot? We know it from Purim, Mishloch manot. Davar hamukhan ve'eno asui lahanihole mahar. It's a matter, it's an item which is prepared, and as a result, it's not normal. Its tendency is not that you would leave it for tomorrow. Kegon, for example, hatichot basar hatuchot lefneha orchim, for example, cut meat in front of guests, vechendagim, and so too um, fish. If in those circumstances, that's the present you gave to a person, say, Bet Shammai, that's what's permitted. Bet Hillel alternatively say, Mishalechim behema hayava of, back in the Mishnah, ben hayin ben shehutin. Irrespective of whether the animal was already slaughtered or it's going to now have to be slaughtered, and as a result, I can look at this, say, Bet Shammai, and say, well, that's a weekday activity. You're giving him a present, He's not going to go through the labor and the arduous activity of having to slaughter it and deal with that on the holiday. He's probably going to leave it for after the holidays. You're still allowed to give it on the holiday. It's not so far removed. Once upon a time when you had the slaughter, slaughterer nearby, when a person was shohet for himself, you look at that and you say, yeah, it's mechusar ma'aseh, but that's not so far off that the person's going to do it. As a result, betilel permit. Absolutely, says, says Nathan, Betilel's claim is furthermore, a person wants the fresh meat. The understanding is it's not so, it can't be so old from Bet Shammai uh, that it wasn't slaughtered immediately before the Yom Tov, otherwise it would have gone bad. But yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of Betilel is I'm giving it to them and uh, I can and should imagine they're going to slaughter it. A step earlier, that's right, but only one step earlier. 
Both of them are talking about foods for Yom Tov as opposed to something altogether different. Yes. The next Mishnah, right at the, a few lines down on our Amud, will talk about giving other sorts of matters, for example, clothing or shoes. And in that circumstance, the Mishnah will say explicitly that the Kelal, the principle of the matter is, if you skip down just a few lines to this Mishnah, the Kelal at the end of that Mishnah is that it needs Zeha Kelal, Kol Otinbo Biyom Tob Right, anything that neotin, Rashi explains, mitkashetin, anything that's adorning the person on Yom Tov, in terms of food, in terms of, uh, excuse me, in terms of clothing, in terms of shoes, is permitted on Yom Tov. But yes, the common denominator then between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai is you're not giving them, I don't know, paper that they're going to use after Yom Tov. You're giving them something which will be used on Yom Tov. Uh, bowls would be an extension of that next Mishnah, that next Mishnah which talks about uh, giving, uh, giving uh, things that can be utilized on Yom Tov. You see, it's interesting, parenthetically, that these two Mishnayot, our Mishnah is talking about being Mishaleh Manot, that's the word that the rabbis used to, to describe foodstuffs like fish and uh, meat. And the next Mishnah we'll talk about at the very beginning, I was skipping the Gemara for a moment, Mishalechim Kelim. Ben tefurim, ben she'enan tefurim. That's very telling. The fact that when the, the hachamim and the mishnah composed it with these words, they used the word manot for food and kelim utensils uh, for clothing and uh, garments. And that in and of itself, uh, some of uh, Ture Evan and others elsewhere bring this as sourcing for a question that arises on uh, Purim. What's the halakhan Purim? We know there's something called Mishloch Manot Ish Lere'ehu. Could a person give Mishloch Manot uh, clothing? Or could a person give uh, money? Could a person give bowls as their Mishloch Manot? Or does it need to be specifically food? Now the Gemara is never explicit about this. The Gemara does talk about the different ways in which you could send food through your Mishloch Manot at the beginning of Masech and Megillah, but it's never explicit. What about if you were to give something else? Hacham Ovadia Yosef wrote about this at length in his Yehavedat Chelek Vav Siman Memhe, and he cites therein from Ture Evin along the way, who brings a sourcing from our Mishnayot. Our Mishnayot seem clear that the definition of that word mana is food. As opposed to if you were going to talk about something aside from food, you talk about kelim, you talk about something else. Manot then is defined as food. What would the logic be, just for a moment, and with regards to mishloch manot, that it needs to be food? Well, one of two. Um, the question is, why is it that we give mishloch manot on Purim? As a mahlokin in the Aharonim with regards to this matter. One approach is that I'm giving a poor person or a potentially poor person food for their meal. And as a result, I'll give it to everyone. I won't discriminate, but I'll give it to everyone. The poor people, a person who can't provide for themselves to have a, a fancy meal or an appropriate meal won't ask. And as a result, we give to everyone and it needs to be food then. It should be food directly uh, prepared already for them to use in their meal or, or at the very least able to be used in a meal. Alternatively, it's to be marbe besimhao bere'ut. It's to enhance our love and brotherhood over the course of the holiday. And as a result, as well, many suggest maybe it needs to be specifically food. And nobody gets happier and more comfortable with the other than uh, through food. You got me clothing, it's beautiful, I love you very much. But you invited me for a good steak sandwich, or you invited me for something uh, delicious to enjoy. 
That's an important question. I, I'd, 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 hope that, uh, I'd hope that you and your wife look into that matter carefully. No, you don't need to inquire. You need to just uh, give food. And, and, that's, and that's in turn the Pesach Halachado. I, I understand. Oh, you take that risk. Uh, but uh, that, that in turn, I was wondering. Anyway, that's, that's in turn the Halacha with regards to Mishloch Manot. And again, Simuchin Lekach from these Mishnayot. As opposed to? Well, again, our Mishnah, Betilel's words, Betilel's words in response to Bet Shammai are very telling. It means they're talking to Bet Shammai. Bet Shammai must have been referring to when they mentioned Manot, foods. It must have been added. As opposed to what is what I'm saying? I, it's not Rashi, it's the Mishnah. Right? And the next Mishnah will talk about all other stuff, is what I'm saying. And the words in the Mishnah then are very telling that we call this manot, and it's almost as if Rashi is leading us along with those words. Rashi mentioned those words, ish uh, the, the Gemara at the beginning of the, the next Perek will quote a pasuk from elsewhere, from Sefer Nehemiah, about being mishaleh manot to others. And it will be in the context of food, we'll talk about that a bit over there. That's also brought in this conversation. Okay, but that's the Mishnah then, the beginning of the Mishnah, the Look between Beit and Beit with regards to what's permissible on Yom Tov to send as a present with regards to food. According to Beit it needs to be prepared. According to Beit it can be a stage before pre- uh, prepared uh, status of that food. Continues the Mishnah and it says, Mishalehin yenot shemanim vesiltot vekotniot avolot The Mishnah says that you're allowed to send wines. Shemanim is oil, siltot is flowers, and kotniot is uh, legumes and beans of that sort. Aval, but not lotevua. You're not allowed to send grains. And the understanding of the issue with regards to grains, if you take a look at the left-hand side at Rashi, avalo etatevua she'ena reuya hayom. Grains are not immediately appropriate and available for usage today. Because after all, you're not allowed to grind on Yom Tov. The reason we say so is because we say it's an activity which should have been performed beforehand. Assuming that, as we learned in the last Gemara, it won't lose its taste. We distinguished in the last Gemara between different types of spices and salts, just depending on whether it's going to lose its taste. When you're dealing with grains, the assumption is, and the Gemara told us that, is it won't lose its taste. As a result, it's not permitted to be grinding it on Yom Tov. And since it's not permitted to be grinding it on Yom Tov, uh, the Mishnah says then explicitly, even according to Beit Hillel, you couldn't send Tevua. Of course, it's even Beti Why not? It's also Absolutely. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Well, the the Gemara talked. But the point is, as long as it's not going to be mefik ta'ama, as long as it's not going to lose its taste. It's not permitted to do on Yom Tov. You should have done it before Yom Tov. That was the principle of the matter, right? But wheat and barley, it doesn't lose its season. Wheat and barley is should have been done before, and then therefore it's... But the Mishnah concludes and says Rabbi Shimon does permit when it comes to grains. Why would Rabbi Shimon permit? After all, if it's not going to be usable, why should he be permitting? If you take a look at the left-hand side of Rashi, he gives us a sneak peek of what, 
we'll see in the Gemara, because maybe, maybe the person will take the grains and directly cook them without any tehina, without having, have, uh, without having to grind it. The Gemara will give us examples of such. Alternatively, they will grind it. At the end of the Gemara, at the top of the Amud, we saw that there is a Hiluk, there's a distinction. If you're going to be using in Bavil, at the very least, the Gemara said, a small grinder, that would be permitted on Yom Tov. As a result, Rabbi Shimon, who disagrees with Betilel, who's even more lenient than Betilel, is willing to stretch the permissibility and say, Betilel, I understand your apprehension. I understand why you're nervous that this looks wrong. When I give this present to the other person, it appears as if I'm giving them something they won't be using on Yom Tov. But since there is a usability, since it could be served, but say Betilel, but that's not the common way in which it's done, but could be done in such a fashion. Rabbi Shimon says we could be matir. Uh, furthermore, says Rabbi Shimon, according to Rashi, you won't find this in the Gemara. According to Rabbi Shimon, uh, we saw in the Gemara earlier, there are situations where you can use a small millstone, a small grinder, in order to bring about this grinding. Says Rabbi Shimon, it might not be what most people do, but since that is permitted, and you could do that on Yom Tov, it's permitted in turn to give that as a present. Uh, those are the three opinions we saw mentioned in our Mishnah, Bet Shammai, Bet Hillel, and Bishmon. Absolutely, he's even more permitted. That's right. That's right. Says the Gemara, let's define now the permitted situations. Hen the Bet Shammai, hen the Bet Hillel, hen the Bishmon. Under what circumstances is it permitted? Why, you told me. What type of things? Uh, but the context is also very important. After all, the whole purpose over here is that it looks wrong, that this is a ma'aseh hol. It's an action which is a weekday, profane activity, as opposed to a yom tob one. It's not only the item which is being exchanged, it's the way in which it's being exchanged. For example, says the Gemara Tane Rav Yechiel, Rav Yechiel taught the following from a Beraita, ubilvad shelo ya'asenu beshura. You have to make certain that as the person presents this as a gift to another, it's not done with a row of people. If there's a group of people, uh, there's a specific issue. Take a look at Rashi. On the left-hand side. You should not send the present uh, with uh, many people. Don't send uh, several messengers and emissaries uh, to present this present to the other person. Because that will publicize the matter. And as a result, it will seem like as if you're sending, it's along the lines of Marit Ayn, it, it will appear as if you're sending something, it's not so much Marit Ayn, I'll explain why in a second, as if you're sending something to be sold in the marketplace. I don't know per se if it's a fear that people will be looking and learning the wrong law as much as the activity is a weekday way of doing this. That's the way you sell during the week. And as a result, if you're doing this in this fashion on Yom Tov, even though that's not what you're actually doing, it's a weekday way of doing it. Tana says the Gemara, let's quantify. What does it mean, a shura? What's a group of people? Tana en shura pechuta mishulasha bene adam. The definition of a group of a couple of people is three. When you're at three men or women or children who are presenting this doron, uh, this present to a person, that's where it's avsha milta, where it becomes publicized. It appears as if you're involved in uh, commerce and selling it, and that's prohibited 
Of course, midrabanan. Ba'e Ravashe, says Ravashe, or questions Ravashe, how do you define, I have a further question. So you told me the foodstuffs that are permitted or forbidden in the Mishnah. You told me the context, it needs to be less than three people. What about the following? Ba'e Ravashe, telata gavre, utelata mine mai. What if, as it's being sent, you send three separate products and items in the hands of three separate people? To by extension, person. to one person. By extension, five in the hands of five. By extension, ten in the hands of ten. The point being, our issue that we mentioned earlier was it's publicized. Is it publicized because there's one item with three people? It looks like this is commerce, this is a sale. And as a result, if there's three people, it's problematic in and it of itself. Or alternatively, is it three people handling one item that's specifically the issue? If it's one person with one item, another person with another item, you don't say that's three people, you say that's one plus one plus one. You understand the difference. Again, do I imagine this as just the group of people makes it a problem? Or alternatively, can I distinguish and say it's a group of people handling one item? The mashal for this, although it might not help, but it's a good musar. The mashal for this is the Gemaran Masechin Nedarim, which talks about Rabbi Akiva leaving his wife for 12 years initially, and then he returns. He leaves his wife to go study Torah, and then he returns, and he's together with many people. And he overhears a person turning to his wife and saying, can you imagine? This guy left you for 12 years, how ridiculous, how terrible, and so on and so forth. And his wife, of course, Rahel is the name the Gemara gives her, says, and in the words of the journey song, I'd gladly give a dozen more. I'd be happy if he took another 12 years. And so as a result, he runs away and spends another 12 years. And the basic question that the mashkihim uh, and the yeshivot ask is, so why didn't he just go say hello to his wife? Why didn't he uh, uh, spend the night with her or eat a meal with her? Why didn't he, he runs away instead of going and spending a little bit of time. I don't know, it sounds a little against the humanistic, loving, emotional side. And the suggestion of Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz of Mir Yeshiva Zichron Olivracha, he suggested that the difference between 12 years with a break in the middle and 12 years, plus 12 years without any break is the difference between 12 plus 12 and 24. In other words, when we get into a momentum in certain things, when we're involved in something and running forward and doing it appropriately, when you take that break in the middle, very appropriate after Pesach vacation, it breaks it up and as a result you say it was 12 plus 12, that's not 24, it's just not the same thing qualitatively, it's a different experience. If alternatively it's 24 as one unit, I know it's still a little difficult one, he just has a real break in speaking to his wife, but the message I think is clear with regards to all of our spiritual growth. Spiritual growth means you're, as Sefirat Omer teaches us, you're counting one after the other. After you broke a day, what's the difference? I lost one day. Is that a real loss? Ultimately speaking, so I counted 33 and then 35. I missed one day in the middle. But it's not the same thing. That break in the middle made it that it's 33 days followed by 15 more or even 16 more. But the point is you didn't have a full count in terms of a successive amount. That's uh, my mashal for this Gemara, do we imagine this as three ones, one person holding an item, another person holding an item, another person holding an item, or alternatively, this was one large group, and it doesn't matter how many items they have, that's the problem, says the Gemara, Teko, this matter stands.
That's an interesting question. Nathan, question. Nathan asks, what if you gave more than would be the normal amount? Uh, the, the assumption is that in this sort of context, we'd go along the lines of what we call as long as you're starting with an amount that is usable, you'd be able to add to it. And the Gemara specifically questions this. The if, if the reason the Isul is the whole of because if it's Maritai, then you don't know that there's 10 portions amongst 10 people. It just looks. Uh, I'm not certain. Like yeah, you think so? I don't know. Marit Ayin, first of all, we, we learned and we discussed this. I feel hadarim. So why does it matter what it looks like, per se? The fact is, this is a situation which could be misunderstood. I'm not certain. Nir'in, there's a question what that means. So, take a look at Rashi. Tilata Gavre says Rashi Shiluhim, messengers, im, with Tilata mine or uh, with uh, three separate items. What's Rashi adding? Rashi's explaining it's not just three guys um, and three separate things. It's three guys, each one holding a separate thing. My, what's the halacha? Mi azlinan, do we go? Batar kol min vamin vishare. We go based on each item and as a result it's permitted. Ki hecha de yacholishloch ish echad im kol min ze beloze. Hashtaname share. The same way I could send one and then separately another and then separately another. So then then, even though they're going together, in my example of the 12 plus 12, it's a 1 plus 1 plus 1, or Dilma, or alternatively, Hashta Miha, at the very least now, with a group of three, who cares what they're holding? Avsha Milta, it's too publicized. The Gemara finishes this with Teku. Teku means the matter stands. We don't have a conclusion. Harambam is posek lahalacha on this matter, Likula. He's lenient on this. And then Osei Kelim, those who uh, comment on Harambam question, it said the Gemara never had a conclusion. Had Harambam have a conclusion. The suggestion is we're dealing with an Isur Dirabanan. This is a rabbinic prohibition. As a result, since there's a Safik, Safik Dirabanan is Lekula, that's how he goes on this matter. But the matter is not fully resolved. So if you have an issue with regards to sending, a mes- sending a, your messengers for presents, let's speak separately. Rabbi Shimon Matir Bitwa. Is it an issue in that context? Well, this is specifically going to be on, on uh, Yom Tov, these sorts of halachot. So you'll get into all... You, no, Shabbat, you'll have... Yeah, that's a good question. Bishimon matir We saw in the Mishnah that Bishimon said, even with regards to grains, whereas Beit Hillel, our lenient opinion, wouldn't extend their opinion even to grains. Bishimon said, even by grains. Rashi helped us out with that, the Gemara furthers that point or clarifies it further. Tanya, the Beraita, provides clarification. Bishimon matir the Bishimon who permits with regards to grains, kigon, for example, hitin la'asot mehen ludiot, for example, to use wheat to make something called ludiot, Rashi says, it's ma'achal hitin. It's food which is directly, you put the wheat in, you don't need to crush the wheat, put the wheat in, and that's what's eaten in some way or fashion. As a result, says Rabbi Shimon, in our explanation of it, Ritva explains it like this, although Beti Leil will say, but that's not the normal usage, says Rabbi Shimon, but it is a usage, that's why it's permitted. Se'orim, what about barley? Liten lifne behemto. That's a fascinating statement. The fact that barley could 
be eaten by an animal, that permits giving it, even though it's not crushed on Yom Tov. It's a question which we'll address on Dafkaf Aleph. We'll see a Mahloket Tanaim over there. But that's the suggestion of, Rabish, of the Gima, of the Beraita for Rabbi Shimon. Se'orim are permitted, although a human being wouldn't have it without crushing it and mixing it in some fashion. Since an animal could, says Rabbi Shimon, it's permitted. Adashim, what about lentils? What could you do with full lentils that aren't cut? La'asot mehen resisin. You can make from them something called resisin. Rashi again says, Ma'achal ha'asui min ha'adashim. I don't know. You're going to ask me, don't we use lentils like that? That's what I thought as well. Uh, well, that is the cotillon. But I thought you were going to ask me who cuts lentils. I don't know. Apparently they used to grind lentils. Yeah. Why is Rabbi Shimon providing an example even for Kotniot? Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point. If you look back at the Mishnah, you look back at the Mishnah. One second. You look back at the Mishnah. You see the word Vekotniot in the Mishnah, and in my Gemara, there's a little letter next to that. That little letter leads you to the top left-hand corner in my Gemara, and it says Bayirushalmi Leta Vekotniot. In Talmud Yerushalmi, it doesn't have that word Kotniot. In other words, Kodniot was never permitted, which would make a lot of sense in light of this Beraita, as Jesse's pointing out, where Rabbi Shimon is talking about Adashim, which is Kotniot, which in turn, I thought that was permitted according to Betilel even. Uh, the suggestion is maybe that's not the appropriate girsa nosach in our Mishnah. Okay, that's what we have with regards to this sugyav meshalechin manot on Yom Tov. We had the opinions of Beit Shammai, Beit Hillel, and Rabbi Shimon. This next Mishnah brings us a step further or a step to the side on this matter. We're not going to be talking about sending foods any longer, but as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about sending clothing. Says the Mishnah. That's in it. That's, that's what it appears. From our Gemara, from our Gemara, it certainly appears that Rabbi Shimon is the only one who's going to be matir. Now, that's not to say that you can't give food to your animal. That's to say that in terms of the sending, we don't assume that it's going to be given to the animal. It doesn't per se mean that it's because you can't give it to your animal, as I just mentioned a moment ago. Question is right. Yeah. Right. So again, we'll return to that question, that conversation on Daf Kaf Aleph. The next Mishnah again talks about sending clothing and shoes. Mishalichim kelim. You're allowed to send uh, garments, clothing. Ben tefurin, ben she'enan tefurin. Whether they're already sewed or even if they're not sewed. Uh, what sort of usage the Gemara will tell us at the very beginning would you have if it's not sewed? Well, you could uh, use it as a blanket. You could, uh, clo- you could use it as a cloak of some sort. You're not wearing it in the traditional sense, but it's still usable. Now, that's a fascinating statement. Even if the clothing has kilayim, kilayim we call sha'atnez, the Torah in two places, and vayikra perek yotet. In Devarim perek talks about the isur of mixing Semer and Pishtim. Why are you not allowed to mix linen and uh, wool? Uh, so it's a hawk. That's right. The, the we'll talk about it in a second. You definitely, you're not allowed to mix it. You're not allowed to wear it. You're not allowed to uh, cover yourself. You're not allowed to get any Hana'ah. The Gemara Masechet Yifamot on Dafdal, it says. Now, why is it that it's forbidden? So said uh, Jared, or was it Jesse? He said it's a hawk. 
Now the word chok, generally speaking, means it's a matter, that's how we accept, the hachamim explain it to us, devarim shehakakti lecha, it's matters which I, I, I made clear for you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, kivyachol, ve'en lecha reshut leharher alein, and you don't really have permission because you're not really going to get hard, got far in understanding them. Harambam in his more nebuchim makes clear, however, chokim, it's not that they don't have a reason, it's that it's hard for us to understand the reason. He quotes a midrash, and midrash says that Shilomo HaMedech understood all the mitzvot except for para aduma, says Harambam, but there are many chokim. What about sha'atnes? What about para aduma? Apparently the statement, excuse me, para aduma is the one that he did on said, apparently they have reasons, it's just hard for us to get to the bottom of them. When it comes to sha'atnes, many of the later Jewish philosophers suggest that if you look in the Torah, the Torah seems purpose to distinguishing between two different ways of life. There's the way of life of the shepherd and there's the way of life of the agriculturalist. All the way back to Cain and Hevel, through B'nai Israel in Egypt, who are the herdsmen and the Egyptians work the ground, and anything and everything in between, the Torah separates between those two. For one reason or another, it's two different ways of life, and the Torah seems purposed on having us focus on them individually and separately. It's along those same lines that this mixing is inappropriate in the eyes of Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because you're mixing two separate and individual domains of life, and for one reason or another, we appreciate, as we saw in this past week's parasha, parashat Shemini, Havdalah, separating and distinguishing. All right, says the Mishnah again, even if the clothing has kilaim. Of course, that's going to be the first question of the Gemara. What usage are you going to have from kilaim? It's a very important question. Continues the Mishnah, provided again, that they are for Sorech HaMoed. Take a look at Rashi on the left-hand side. Rashi says, Begadim. What Sorech Moed are you going to have? Rashi knows you're already nervous about that. Kilayim, I'm not allowed to wear, I'm not allowed to cover myself in Kilayim. What sort of usage would I have? Aval, but continues the Mishnah and it separates. When it comes to sending clothing, there are other, there are situations where you couldn't send something. For example, a sandal, a shoe of sorts, hamisumar, which has spikes in it. Uh, Rashi cites from the Gemara later on, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, which talks about a specific gezerah of the rabbis. We'll see it on Daftet Vav. There's a specific danger in wearing that, that shoe, and they didn't want you wearing it on Shabbat or Yom Tov. As a result, you can't send it. Furthermore, what are you not allowed to send? You're not allowed to send a shoe which is not yet sewed up. The assumption is there's no usage there either. Rashi, if the shoe is made of, um, of wood and it's uh, covered with um, leather, and there's spikes or nails, the reason you're not allowed to send it is the rabbis had a specific decree, not only about sending, but about wearing you're not allowed to put it on on Shabbat Yom Tov because of a story that took place, transpired, we'll learn about it in the Gemara, people died as a result of, of it, and the rabbis decreed don't wear it on Shabbat Yom Tov. We'll deal with it in the Gemara, and in our Gemara. You see... Shoes with spikes or... No, 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 no. It's spikes that are going... Well, we'll talk about the specific details, but... (laughs) 
It's a great question um, in general. Apparently, you, apparently you're telling the person. Apparently, you're telling. Apparently, that's certainly true. But his point, Jared's point, is even if he has a usage, if there's an inappropriate usage, so you'd have to tell him. There's no question. You'd have to tell him. No, 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 no. Begadim, begadim, begadim. The Rashi already told us, and the Mishnah is talking about begadim. You see, this Mishnah as well mixes, you see, whereas the last Mishnah talked about food and this Mishnah is talking about clothing, interestingly, this Mishnah starts about uh, talking about kelim, and then it quickly segues into uh, shoes as well. It talks about how shoes are excluded sometimes, <coughs> which makes it appear as if shoes should be included under the heading of clothing. I don't know the way it works in department stores, but this Mishnah is defining Kelim as a general category, clothing, which has in it clothing and shoes. That's an important question and debate that comes up with regards to Hachanah for Shabbat. The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Davkof Yod Gimal is Doresh from the Pasuk, What's the kabod that a person provides for Shabbat? It's preparing unique and separate clothing for Shabbat. As a result, we're supposed to have separate clothing for Shabbat. At the very least, laundered clothing. Chacham David Yosef writes about his father. His father always wore nice clothing. So as a result, he would make certain that his clothing, even if it was the same one he wore during the week, was laundered freshly for Shabbat. What about preparing a new pair of shoes? Do you need a new pair of shoes, a separate pair of shoes for Shabbat? So Ben Ishai Rabbi Yosef Hayim of Baghdad and his Rav Pe'alim Halek Dalit takes up this issue and he suggests that shoes are not included in the kavod of bigadim for Shabbat. And he has several proofs. One of his proofs are the berachot we make in the morning. We make a berachah malbish arumim, which is on clothing. And we have a separate berachah, the Gemara at the end of Masechet berachot says, of she'asali kol sorki, which is for shoes. He seems to distinguish then, one's for clothing, one's for shoes. And as a result, you don't need to prepare a separate pair of shoes for Shabbat. Avadia Yosef and his Yahavedat Heleken Siman Kafkimal quotes from one of his rabbis, Ham Yosef Yedid Halevi. Ham Yosef Yedid Halevi was originally from, from Halab. He made his way to Shechunat Abukharim. That's how Chacham Vadia Yosef had some interaction with him. In his She'elot to Teshubot, Yemei Yosef Batra, he disagrees. He suggests and understands that shoes are incorporated under the general heading of clothing, and as a result, it's important that at the very least, that's how Chacham Vadya writes, at the very least, even if you don't have a separate pair of shoes for Shabbat, make certain that they're cleaned, they're polished for Shabbat, and that's the way he's posek lehalacha, and so sometimes overlooked. We pay attention to our clothing, we don't pay, I don't know, I'm talking to the wrong crowd on this, I'm talking to myself, I don't pay attention to my shoes. But anyway, this Mishnah is simuchin lekach, and in fact, it is quoted in the conversation as including not only clothing, but shoes under the same heading as part of, you know, in turn, how you would prepare for Shabbat if they're under the same heading. So says the Mishnah again, Mishalechin Kelim, Ben Tefurim Ben Shenan, Tefurim Vafapish Yesh Bahen Kilaim, Vehen Sorech Moed, period. Aval, Los Andal Hamisumar, Velomin Al Shenotafur. The Mishnah now concludes, Rbiudalmer, Af, Lomin Al Lavan. You can't even send shoes which have not yet been dyed or polished black 
because shoes used to be always worn with that black coloring. And as a result, if it's before that, it's a stage before that, when it's just white, it hasn't yet been colored, nobody's going to wear it that way. You need a, a professional to do it, and it's not going to be done on Yom Tov. And as a result, it's not permitted to send on Yom Tov. Zeha Kelal concludes the Mishnah. Here's the principle of the matter. Anything Sheneotin, Rashi defines the word Neotin, Mitkashetin, anything that will adorn you and give you beauty or make you look handsome on Yom Tov, Mishalechinoto, that's where you're allowed to send anything else you would not. To summarize this Mishnah, then, this Mishnah is making clear for us that clothing, provided that it's prepared and usable, is permitted to send. We saw something very curious in here that was the mention of even if it has Kilaim, that'll be the first issue we'll take up in the Gemara. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen. Behind Amshem Rasek.